For the past months, we've been studying Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. And I think it's wise for us to remember that these are real people that Paul has written to. These are real people who probably one Sunday morning, Wednesday night, who knows when this letter was read, were sitting around like us this morning as one of the leaders in their church read this letter from Paul to them. Paul, who was their friend and their teacher. And imagine as they listened to the first three chapters, and Paul's describing the magnificent gospel, the glorious gospel that so dramatically has transformed all of their lives. They learned about God's great plan in choosing them before the foundation of the world, as we read in chapter 1, and his plan to predestine them in love, that they would be forgiven, they would be cleansed, they would be made righteous in the Son. And as the reader moves on to chapters 4 through 6, they listen to Paul's exhortations and they listen to Paul's appeals of what the practical side of God's grand plan for them is what it means to practically be the church of Jesus Christ. I'm sure many of them looked around the room as Paul is laying out all of these glorious truths about how they're to live together. And they're thinking, gosh, I'm doing it with them. I'm doing it with her. Don't really want to do it with them. But you've called us together. And God has done the same for us here at Grace Church as he called these Ephesians together. And Paul is saying is that for us, it's happening right now, right here among this group of people. In verse 1 of chapter 4, read along with me. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And here's our verse this morning. Rather, speaking the truth in love, 
we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Father, we love your word. We ask that you would use your scriptures to make us wise this morning. Not wise in our own eyes, but wise in the ways of God. Lord, make us wise so that our church can mature, that our church can attain to the unity of the faith and the spirit and the bond of peace, to mature in such a way that we are not carried along by every wind of doctrine, but we hold fast to that which is truly Christ. Lord, help me this morning to articulate clearly what you want to communicate this morning. Lord, my confidence is in you. Lord, bless your church this morning. Refresh your church this morning. Shepherd your church this morning. Through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul has urged them in chapter in this beginning of this chapter to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that they have received which is the gospel and that he goes on in verse 3 to say eagerly maintain the unity in the, of the spirit in the bond of peace because in in chapter 2 he has told us that we are his workmanship we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works and Jesus has given given us to this church specific gifts. In verse 11 we read that we've been given apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. We've been told that the church has been given a measure of gifts in men, but also that as we read in, in verse 7 of chapter 4, that we've been given all a measure of gifts, that there isn't anybody in this room, in this church, in the, in the Christian world who has not been given a measure of gifts to serve the church, to serve one another, to follow after Christ. Paul begins this morning's passage with the word rather. And what he is saying in verse 15, he says, rather speaking the truth in love. And he's referring back to verse 14, where there has been an onslaught of doctrine that is not doctrine of scripture, but it's doctrine of devils. It's the gospel being perverted and Paul does not want the Ephesian church to be carried away by every wind of doctrine, by those who are cunning and scheming and crafty and can craft a message in a certain way that tickles the ears, that draws people's hearts and their attention away from Christ into a human understanding of who God is. And so Paul moves on and he says, rather let us not be children anymore. But let us mature. And that's what Paul has been talking about in these first 16 verses. We are to mature as a church. We are to mature as individuals. Rather than being misled and going astray. And his intention is to teach the Ephesian church and to teach us how the body of Christ grows that we might be mature. It is through truth and love that Paul says in this passage that we are to grow. 
Grace Church exists to help one another grow up in every way into Christ. I love how Paul phrases that in verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him. And I believe we can grow up in every way. And I believe we are growing up in every way as, as Grace Church, as God's church. But how do we do this practically? How, how can we do this? Well, I think we can do it in four ways this morning. Let me go through those four ways with you. Number one, we have Christ. Number two, we have the gospel. Number three, we have a purpose. Number four, we have love. We have Christ. We have the gospel. We have a purpose. And we have love. Number one, we have Christ. Look at verse 16. From whom? Just two words. From whom? From him alone. We have life. Jesus is the source of our spiritual growth. What in our lives is not dependent upon Christ. He's the ultimate source of everything in every way. Look, look back at, at verse 8 in chapter 4. Paul is writing and he's saying, in, he's quoting Psalm 68, when he ascended on high. He's talking about Christ's ascension, that when Jesus ascended his final step here on earth, that he ascended and now he rules as the head of the church. But it is not a distant rule. It is a rule where God in Christ dwells among us by His Spirit. It is a rule that is not from afar. It is a rule where God is caring for His church as the head of His church. He ascended and He is seated at the right hand of God. And He is ruling, but He's not just ruling. Scripture says He's interceding. He's praying for you. He's praying for his church. He's praying for Grace Church. We have Christ. We have Christ who is our head. We have Christ from whom all is given. He is the ultimate source of everything we have. He is the ultimate source. He gave us the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Paraclete, the one who has come beside him. He was the original Paraclete. He was the original one who came beside us and comforted us with the truth of the gospel. And now as the source, as the head, the ascended one, he has become the, he has sent the paraclete, the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to come alongside of us, to counsel us, to give us wisdom, to lead us, to strengthen us, to give us discernment. He is the source of all that we have and he has given us himself of all things. He is caring for us that he says in verse 10, he might fill all things, which is as we read in, in chapter one, that, that is the ultimate is for Jesus to ultimately unite all things back to himself. That day has not happened yet, but we are in the process we're in the process of being united. Jesus is filling and has filled all things. 
But he is the head of the church. He is not the one who has just left us to ourselves to figure this thing out. He is the head of the church, the source of all things. Thank God I am not the head of this church. Christ is. I have the privilege of just leading, but I'm one of you. I hang with you. I sin like you. I'm weak like you. I experience life like you do. But I'm not the head of the church. From whom? From whom? Because we are to grow up into every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. From whom? It is from the head that all that we have. From whom? All that we experience, the ultimate source of everything, all our power, all our strength, all our hope, all our joy, all our provision, and ultimately, the forgiveness and the righteousness that we've been given in Christ. From whom? We we cannot abide in this church without abiding in Christ. We cannot abide in this church without abiding in from whom, without experiencing Jesus Christ as our source. He is the vine. We are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. He is the one who waters our soul. Marilyn just got back from being with our daughter in Charlotte for the past three weeks as Jenny had given birth and Marilyn was serving Jenny and, and Gemma, the, our new granddaughter. And so I'm, I'm home alone. And Marilyn's got plants all over the house. <laughs> They're not looking so good. <laughs> they, they did get water. I remember watering them twice. <laughs> and it, when the day before Marilyn got home, I went to water them thinking, I need to water the plants. And I see this one big plant with dry, dead leaves all over. And I was tempted to cut them off, get rid of the evidence, but I did not. I walked in integrity. I watered it, praying that they'd come back to life. (laughs) So then Marilyn gets home and cuts them off. They needed a source. I needed a source. I didn't eat well when Marilyn was gone. (laughs) I realized I just, I don't like to cook. Thank God for Marilyn. (laughs) Somebody said to me this morning, Larry, you're looking thinner. Well, I tell you why. (laughs) He is the head. He is our life. He supplies all that we need. And we must grow in relation to the head. That's what Paul writes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom? We are to grow up into him. We, we cannot abide in this church without first abiding in Christ. It is Jesus who nourishes us. Our own efforts, our good intentions to try and grow will not hold us together as a church. They will not. 
as badly as we might want it, as passionately as we might pursue it, we will not be held together apart from Christ. We must first abide in Him. And we do have Him. We have Christ. That's what Paul is saying here. You are, you are growing up in Him in every way. You are growing up into Christ, into the head. From whom? In other words, as the church, God is. Christ is the head of the church. We have Christ. So whether there is a moment of discouragement in this church, whether you are feeling lonely, you are feeling discouraged, you are feeling distant, you are having a difficult time, you are struggling, God is saying, He is giving us the source. He is abiding in us and abiding with us. This is what will make Christ's church grow. We have Christ. This is what would make us be the church that God has called us to be. What a supernatural work of Christ's spirit that is. We have Christ. The Ephesian church was made up of Jews and Gentiles, barbarians and Greeks. And Paul writes to them as a united family. Who could do that but Christ? We come from all different walks of life. We all have different likes and dislikes. Let me just think about marriage. Think about the preferences you have in marriage. I want the window open at night. I want the window closed at night. I want the heat on in the car. I want the heat off in the car. I like cheese. I hate cheese. Think about all the different preferences. Do you think they do not find their way into our church? Oh, it's too cold in here. It's too warm in here. The music's too loud. The music's too soft. Larry preaches too long. Larry doesn't preach long enough. (laughs) Never heard that. (laughs) Probably never will. It's a miracle. It's a miracle of the regenerating work of Christ. It's a miracle of the transforming work of the Spirit that we gather together every Sunday to love one another because we have Christ. Secondly, we have the gospel. Paul writes in verse 15, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. I cannot tell you how often throughout my Christian life this verse has been applied to me personally by somebody else. Larry, I want to speak the truth in love to you today. And then they prepare to tell me that I'm doing this because I love you. That's, that's a marker right there. So I'm going to speak the truth in love. You're a jerk. You're proud. You're selfish. How often have we wrongly thought that speaking the truth in love is telling hard truths to those who don't want to hear it? But that's not what speaking the truth in love is. And that is not what Paul is speaking about here. Paul says that truth speaking is designed to help all of us grow up into every way 
into Christ who is the head. How how is that going to happen? How does speaking the truth help us to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ? How does he do that? How does that happen when we speak the truth? What truth is Paul speaking of here? He's speaking of the gospel. He's speaking of the gospel truth. Many, many have misused, myself included, this passage to get across some sort of possible truth because I'm irritated with an individual. You just bother me. So let me speak the truth in love. I want you to change so I don't have to deal with you on a Sunday morning or in small group or in the bedroom. Let me speak the truth in love to you, sweetie. And we misuse that passage, but Paul is speaking of the gospel here. Let us speak the gospel. An immature church speaks in an unhealthy way. That is verse 14. It is doctrine that is being misapplied, misspoken, craftiness and scheming. And it rips at the very foundation of the church. What we need to hear is the life-giving words of Christ from one to another. That's what we need to hear. It's those words that water my soul and give me hope. I want to be eager when I speak to you, not just as your pastor, but as your friend, as a fellow saint. I want to be eager to give you Christ. Not my own human wisdom. I want to give you Christ. When we part company, I want you to be more aware of Christ than anything else. When you walk away from me, I hope you're more aware of Christ. I want to speak Christ to you. I want you to know all about who Jesus is. Not a list of the things I see wrong in your life. We need to daily... Paul writes in in chapter 1, in verse 13, he says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. That's what we need to hear daily. The word of truth, the gospel of salvation. That is speaking the truth in love. This is what it means to speak the truth in love. The most loving thing I can do for you is to tell you about Jesus Christ and all that he has done for you. I want you you to be reminded of the gospel. I want you to remind one another of the gospel. You want to see Grace Church mature? Remind each other of the gospel. And, And I'm not talking about this generic comment about the gospel. I had a friend in Charlotte who was trying to lead his wife and and trying to insert the gospel in their marriage. And they were having a conflict and he just, they were just really struggling with one another and he was trying to get something across to his wife and he just looks at her and goes, and the gospel will help you. (laughs) And she's like, oh, okay. (laughs) That's not what it means to speak the truth to one another. That's not what it means to remind each other of the gospel. When, When someone sins... Tell them they're forgiven. When someone is tempted, tell them they're no longer a slave to sin. When someone is weary, tell them they can cast their cares upon the one who cares for them. When someone is fearful, tell them that he 
is their rock and their fortress. When someone is distraught, tell them he has given them a comforter. When someone is brokenhearted, tell them Christ heals them. When someone doesn't know what to do, tell them that he is their wisdom, their head, who is the source and supply of all that they need. When someone despairs of this life, tell them there's a new heaven and a new earth. That is the gospel. That's what we need to tell each other. That is what we need to remind each other of. That's what gives me life. That's what waters my soul. Speaking the truth in love. It just means we have to be better listeners when people are pouring out their souls to us so that when they do that, we can be specific in sharing what aspect of the gospel is relevant to their situation and then helping them understand the fullness of all that Jesus has done for them and to remind them, you have Christ. That is speaking the truth in love. Brothers and sisters, how does the body grow? It grows when truth is spoken in love to one another. We have Christ. We have the gospel. Thirdly, we have a purpose. Paul tells us we have a purpose that helps us mature together. We work together as God intended in verse 16. From whom the whole body, not just some of us, but all of us, every one of us in this room and those of us who are a part of Grace Church, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. That is a purpose we have, the clear purpose to mature and to work together, that we are connected one to another. We are united together. We are all to attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is our purpose, that we are mature in Christ. Paul has told us as the ascended Christ, he has given gifts to his church. Gifts that help us to mature. Gifts that help us to serve one another, to care for one another, to strengthen one another. We have a purpose in our gifts. Our, our gifts are for strengthening this local church, for maturing this local church. Those gifts are to be used in this family right here. And yes, we can use them outward in the, in the universal body of Christ at the appropriate time, but it's right here that the gifts that we've been given, a variety of gifts, just an amazing multitude of gifts that God has given to this church that he's placed within this church. We have our leadership meetings and I'm just looking at Tom. I'm just thinking, 
Tom serves as our, as our secretary. He takes the most copious, intense notes that have ever been written in the history of church. <laughs> Leadership teams. He is, I mean, I, I, I just cough and it's in the minutes. And, <laughs> but you look around the room at the other guys, the other three guys who are part of this leadership team, and they don't want to take minutes. (laughs) It is just how God has uniquely wired Tom, and he does it with such joy, and he does it with such excellence, and it serves this church. It just doesn't serve me and the guys on the leadership team. It serves you. It keeps us connected. Thank God for men like Tom. And as you leave today, let me appeal to you. Every one of you, go and thank the Barkers for how they have used their gift to serve our children's ministry. Larry Westy is serving in Craig's place this morning. Craig, thank you. Bonnie, thank you so much for sacrificing every Sunday. And for Nora, who has served as my secretary, who just tells me what to do and I do it. (laughs) I mean, you, you just have no idea what this church would not be if it wasn't for Nora. And for Garrett and Abe who get up here on Sunday after Sunday and they lead us to the throne of grace. And those are many of the public gifts, but there's a lot of quiet gifts roaming around this church. The men who will show up next week and help Tom and Julie move, who don't have a public gift but are quietly serving in the background. Nick, who, Nick Tedesco, who has really worked hard along with um, Caleb Barker in setting up our website. You don't know about that, but I see the work that they do. Brothers and sisters, that is the purpose we have, and that matures our body for the purpose that we are here to proclaim the gospel in Clarksburg. Christ has died for us to see our sins forgiven, to free us from the slavery of sin. He has risen and ascended on high and he intercedes for us and he dispenses gifts to us and he is the head and he leads our church so that we might represent him on this earth in this small town called Clarksburg, that the gospel would be proclaimed that when others walk in this room, they would come to know Christ. And when we are out in our communities moving among our neighbors, they would hear speaking the truth in love. They would hear Christ. We are called to work together. Every person in this church is essential to our growth. Every person in this church has unique gifts and it will build us up. It will make us mature in every way. Think how much a mature church honors the name of Christ. It does. It honors the name of Christ. The, the division working schemes and craftiness of the devil will be minimized as we mature. God's church will be stronger and more effective in proclaiming the gospel.
We have Christ. We have the gospel. We have a purpose. Finally, we have love. We have love. We understand that because Scripture says we love because he first loved us. And we must never waver, as Paul says in verse 16, as we are working together, as every joint is held together, connected, and equipped, Paul says. It is that equipping, that we have been equipped, that makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Listen, we can speak the gospel, and if it's not in love, it will fall on deaf ears. We can use our gifts, but if they're not in love, they will divide, not bring together. And Paul says that we are to do all these things because it will build the church. It will build us up in love. It will mature us in love. Apart from love, we really have nothing else to give. And this is the kind of love we need. <clears throat> First Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Is your pastor... I plead with you and I appeal to you. Make this who Grace Church is. And you can do it. Because from whom? We have Christ. We have the gospel. We have a purpose. Love never fails. You know, if you love each other, you will go out of your way to be here on Sundays so that you can fellowship and hang out with one another. If you love one another, you will go out of your way to make your small groups a priority so that you can be there to care for one another, to serve one another. If you love one another, you will demonstrate the gospel to each other. We have... We really do. We have the, we have the opportunity of a lifetime. We're, we're, we've planted a new church. And you get to kind of start all over again. There were a, a lot of things, the 15 years we were in Charlotte, which is a wonderful church. All three of my children are part of that church. My son leads worship in that church. Uh, the pastoral team there are still dear friends. But it's a, it's a 20 four-year-old church, 23-year-old church now. And you know what? Lots of things have crept in over, over the years. And it just, attitudes, and you just, 
you kind of get complacent or you get just comfortable. And we, we have a chance to start all over again here. We've all come from big churches. We all love a small church. But we don't want to be a small church forever. We want to be a church that sees the gospel proclaimed. We want to be a church that sees Christ honored. And that's going to happen when we love one another. There was that old song years ago, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. A lot better than kumbaya. Let us love one another. Truth and love spoken and acted upon. This is what builds the church. So how do we, how do we apply this? What, what do we do? We have Christ. We have the gospel. We have a clear purpose. We have love. So what do we do with this? Well, I, I think the best way is just to ask yourself some questions this morning. In regards to having Christ, my question for you this morning is, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough for you? What steals Christ from your life? Is he enough? We sang this morning, Christ is enough. Is he? This is a question you just... Would, I, I want to encourage you in your next small group meeting, evaluate by talking about these questions. Is Christ enough? And if he's not, what, what does that look like? Secondly, ask yourself, how faithfully do I speak gospel truth to one another? How faithfully do I speak gospel truth to one another? How faithfully do I tell someone when they sin that they're forgiven? How faithfully do I tell someone who is tempted that they're no longer a slave to sin? How faithfully do I tell someone when they're weary that they can cast their cares upon the one who cares for them? How faithfully do I tell someone who is fearful that Christ is their rock and their fortress? How faithful am I to tell the brokenhearted that God heals them? How faithful am I to tell the distraught that there is a comforter? How faithful am I to tell someone who doesn't know what to do that tell them Christ is your wisdom? How faithful when someone despairs of life am I to tell them that there's a new heaven and a new earth that awaits? How faithful are you to speak gospel truth to one another? Thirdly, have you embraced Christ's purpose for this church? Are you here to build up one another? Are you moving forward with Grace Church and where God is leading us? And finally, and most importantly, do you love one another? Do you love one another? Are you patient and are you kind? Do you envy? Do you boast? Are you arrogant? Are you rude? Do you insist on your own way? Are you irritable or resentful? 
Paul writes in the ESV, it says, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing. I love the NASB where it says, love does not take into an account a wrong suffered. Do you take into account wrongs suffered against you? Or do you forgive? Do you rejoice with truth? Do you bear all things? Do you believe all things? Do you hope all things? Do you endure all things? Because your love will never fail. 